As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's a new day! Yes, it is! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Guys! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. Most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan John. Sorry, Fishbane. John's John's a Fishbane. Have we ever clarified that, Kev? I think it's uh, Fishbane and John's because I'm replacing Hogue. You are. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'll go with. We'll go with the alphabetical order. If that's what we're calling it. Going with. No. Yeah, I think. Okay. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Fishbane and Johns. <laughs> no. What's up? Welcome in, Fishbane and Johns. Here, try again, you know try how again. to reach us. Hogan Johns. A little more, a little more enthusiasm, less sarcasm. Go ahead, try again. What's up? Welcome in, everybody, to another no. episode of Fishbane and Johns. No, I'm out. No, no, you're out. No. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns. Fishbane in for for Hog. You know where to find us. Kevin and I are on The Athletic, theathletic.com. Uh, we have a piece out today kind of setting the scene on the offseason since we're officially in the offseason. This is our first podcast since the Super Bowl. Our friend Adam Hogue needed a vacation, apparently, after spending all week in Las Vegas with Greg Braggs and Mark Carmen. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Hogue man. I told him like I do every year. He does an incredible job during Super Bowl week. But to do what he did while having to deal with Greg Braggs and Mark Herman <laughs> deserves even more credit. So We love those guys, though. We're, we're, we're kidding. Although we are disappointed he didn't take off his shirt for that one interview that they did. Are we? Are we disappointed? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But maybe someone is. Maybe someone is somewhere. You know what? I'm guessing Hogue's shirt is off right now as he's sitting on the beach in Hawaii. So <laughs> I hope so. He's gonna enjoy listening to this open. But uh 
Cav, the offseason is here. I, Super Bowl's over. Any takeaways before we start talking about Caleb Williams for this entire podcast? You know what? I had an interesting quick takeaway from Super Bowl because I know everyone wants to talk about the quarterbacks and the defenses. Here's mine. Matt Eberflus is a more aggressive coach than Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan just fired his defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. He did. I just think I was watching the way, and this is not like a new thing with Kyle Shanahan about the way he, he's just going to take the points. He obviously went for it on that fourth and one late in the game. But I just think overall, like Matt Eberflus and not always right. Doesn't always make the right call, but I just think he, for a, especially for a defensive head coach um, has shown the propensity to be a little bit more analytically minded and a little bit more aggressive certainly than we saw from Kyle Shanahan during the postseason. So, that, so that's just a little hot take takeaway. You're telling me that Matt Eberflus would have gone on defense in overtime first? That I don't know. That I don't know. I just think that, but like thinking about, thinking through that decision, I don't know if Matt Eberflus would have wanted to sit there and watch Patrick Mahomes with the ball in his hand with an extra down, which is what Mahomes essentially yeah, got. You know, my, my entire thought process during that Super Bowl was as well as the 49ers play. If this game remains close, because these Chiefs weren't the Chiefs of, of last year. They, they just weren't. Like, Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to win this. You have to be perfect to beat that man in the biggest game of football. You just do. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned our story. It's up today. And we've got a lot of people commenting, you know, it was the defense. It wasn't Mahomes. It was the missed extra point that wasn't Mahomes. Patch Mahomes went eight for eight on that drive in overtime. Eight for eight. I mean, that is insane. You're talking about an overtime drive to win the freaking Super Bowl. And he was perfect. Like, yes, he wasn't great in the first half. It took a while for the Chiefs to get going. He didn't ha have that kind of wild season when it came to his numbers. But what that dude did in the playoffs, what he did in the fourth quarter in overtime, like it's all right there. And I can't believe like anybody's discount. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not discounting Spags or what that defense did. But um, you know, that was another takeaway. Is as we're going to get into it on this episode, the quarterback. It's all about the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, bad season would be a great season for a Chicago Bears quarterback. What was his passer rating? His passer rating this year was 92.6, which is 0.3 higher than Jay Cutler's career best. Yeah. Still had a good QBR of 63.1, 4,100 passing yards, 27 touchdown passes. That's a down year. For him, more game manager than the game changer this year. I've said that and written that a couple times now, but that's professional quarterback play. He had to compliment his defense sometimes, and that defense is one of the best in the league. Yeah. And as we talk about the future for the Bears at quarterback, you know, a lot of times it comes down to this in that Patch Mahomes situation. If it's overtime of the Super Bowl and the team you're playing just kicked a field goal. And you can win the game if you drive down and score a touchdown. Who do you want to be your quarterback? And I think Patrick Mahomes is number one in on that list. 
and the Bears are going to try to find their guy who they can trust because that's the big that's been the biggest knock on Justin Fields, right? That he has not shown in those situations for a lot of reasons outside his own control, but still that he that he can necessarily be that guy. Mahomes is that guy. Ryan Poles said that himself. So I, I've been looking forward to this podcast for a couple of weeks now. We're bringing in Antonio Morales, our USC football writer for the Athletic. Uh, last time, hey, there he is, Antonio. Good to see you. The last time Antonio and I were together, we were in South Bend watching Caleb Williams' worst college football game, right? Sure were. That was a uh, pretty surprising performance uh, that night, um, especially since like everybody from the Chicago Bears was there. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that type of performance that Caleb had. Um, but, you know, that's where USC's season kind of took a downturn, so... Uh, things have been really interesting uh, since then. So, well, can we begin with that that mm-hmm. game again? You and I literally sat next to each other. Yeah. Behind us is Ryan Poles and Jeff King, one of his top scouts. Uh, John Dorsey is there. There, right? Brandon Bean was he there? I, I'm trying to. I'm forgetting the exact list, but there were a lot of scouts. The top row of that press box was full of them. The sidelines were full pregame. And you said you were surprised. Like, why are you? Why were you surprised that he had that type of performance against Notre Dame? Because Caleb, he had played a really clean 2022 season. There, there was sometimes maybe a play or two, like every four or five games, where like he might have forced something. But it was so rare for him to like kind of play like that. And against Notre Dame, he just forced like three bad decisions in the first half, which is something he hadn't done really much of before. Um, I, I think he had not faced pressure like that um, up until that point in terms of the pass rush and everything like that. The offensive line was much better in 2022 than it was in 2023. And, and Notre Dame really got to him in terms of applying pressure and getting in his face and frustrating him. And that was the first time we see we saw like, how, okay, because the Pac-12 defensive lines are not going to be like what you see in the SEC or the Big Ten or anything and Notre Dame. Um, they're not like an SC team, but they're still a really good program and tough in the trenches and tough defense. They put out pros and uh, you know, they got him off balance and he just, he just forced so many bad decisions, which, which was so uncharacteristic of him uh, up until that point. And Joe, we're going to get into some of the, the um, I guess, controversies, if you will, <laughs> that, that have followed Caleb Williams. And, and I almost want you to, gear us in the direction because certainly the Notre Dame game is is one when you look at it but I think there's a lot of people in Chicago that are just looking at these quote-unquote red flags or things that were not Caleb at his finest do you have a favorite one like I'll like I'm gonna look at the list that that Johnsy has together here you got the the, the fingernail the, the painting you got the uh after the Utah game not shaking hands like we'll, we'll touch we'll let's touch on all of them but I kind of like I want to know which one from your perspective, um, the crying after the Washington game, which one from your perspective, I don't know, maybe is the most overblown or ridiculous that you want to kind of like start this conversation at. Yeah, I think Caleb, he's polarizing for a lot of people. And I, I think the Washington one is kind of overblown. That's just, you're just, an emo- he's an emotional guy who put like a lot of work into this season. And um, did he play perfect? No, this season like he needs to play within the structure of the offense a lot more he played within the pocket better in 2022 than he did in 2023 there was times in 2023 where he just kind of got greedy or he's hunting for the big play holding on the ball too long um 
so he wasn't perfect this season, but everything else around him still did fall apart. <laughs> like this year, the offensive line wasn't better. The receivers weren't as good. The defense uh, wasn't as good. And I could sense why he'd be frustrated when he scored 42 points on Washington. I think that was the most Washington gave up all season. And they still lost. And that was like the third or fourth time in his USC career where he scored 42 points and they lost the game. Um, so it's like it's like he did like all he could that game, and I think that game knocked them out of the Pac-12 title race, basically. Um, and so like any hopes of him winning a championship in his college career were done in that moment. So I, I could see why he's emotional there. So I, I didn't make a a big deal out of that one, but I can see where people like roll their eyes at some stuff. Like I I, I get some of that just because like I, I think the GQ article. Um, Caleb and his family and his camp are very measured and orchestrated. Like everything's like orchestrated and calculated and like um, everything's planned out. So uh, there's a GQ article where he says like, I don't know if I'll come back. Like I don't know if I'll enter the draft or if I'll come back to school. And um, like, I don't think his dad would say that. Like, I don't think that caught Caleb off guard where his dad said that. And like uh, the, the first time, the first time he saw it probably wasn't, when the article is published. And then, so like he gets asked about it the next day at USC and he's like kind of annoyed about it. And it's like, well, Caleb, you knew that was going to come out. <laughs> you, like You had to know that was coming and you were going to get asked about it. Like you guys probably put that out there for a reason. And so now you're kind of getting like upset that you're asked about it and annoyed that you're asked about it. So that kind of stuff makes you like roll your eyes a bit. Um, so I, I could see how like some stuff is overblown and some stuff's just kind of like, you can read Antonio's stuff uh, where you can find Kevin and I stuff on theathletic.com. Uh, you can follow him on X or if you still call it Twitter um, at, at, at Antonio C. Morales. Um, you've covered both years, right? Of Gail yeah. Williams, right? Like, can you take us back like to the moment he arrived in LA and just kind of, what type of whirlwind that was and how excited everybody was like that moment. And maybe what last season was like for him, 2022. I mean, his Heisman, his Heisman, Heisman year. Yeah, there was the, that transfer process was really drawn out or really long. It was almost like the draft declaration process to where he waited to like the last possible minute to announce. Um, there was rumors about like, Oh, he might go to Wisconsin because he was really close with Bobby Ingram's son, Bobby Ingram, the, assistant coach for the commanders he was the oc at wisconsin so it was like oh he might go to wisconsin he might visit ucla or something but everyone knew it was kind of like bs because like he was gonna play for lincoln riley like he committed to lincoln riley out of high school and signed with them played with him for a year and us um just like everybody just like he's not gonna like not declare for the draft even though he hasn't officially declared yet um you know back in january so but when he did, you know, transfer to USC, I just think it like expedited the the championship pursuit for Lincoln Riley, and I think that's when people took them more serious as like a contender for the Pac-12 and maybe like a dark horse uh, for the playoffs. So I think obviously that really heightened up the expectations, and then we get to the season, he does really well the first six weeks. They lose to Utah, but that Utah game is like where everything was like skyrockets and takes off and. He just becomes like a magician every game and he drags like a roster that had no business being close to the college football playoff within one game or, you know, three quarters um, of the playoff. And he just played so well um, 
his his teammates loved him, and I, I think they still did this past year too. Um, you know, he brought the offensive lineman to the Heisman ceremony. Um, he gifted the team with beats uh, back in the spring of 2022. I think there was some question, like on my part, because he replaced a, a quarterback that was really well liked within the locker room and Jackson Dart. So I was like, how is he going to, you know, ingratiate himself within the team? And he did a, a really good job of that um, right, right away when he got to USC. And I think um, everybody rallied around him that year and it was very apparent um, that came up short of their goals in the championship, but um, he, his performance was excellent that season. You touched on the, the teammate element of it and, and going back to our list of uh, controversies, uh, we, we've got the, uh, the we're a team now mm-hmm. comment from the bowl game, uh, which I think has been debunked already by different people that that wasn't referencing the fact that Caleb wasn't there. But what what was your take on that moment and kind of the the um, hoopla around it? Yeah, I, I talked to Lincoln Riley in November, like after the regular season closed and they lost to UCLA. And I just asked him, I was like, okay, this is like I knew this was going to be a build for you at USC. But like, do you think you took a step back anywhere in terms of roster building, culture, coaching and stuff like that? And he's like, yeah, I don't think it was good enough anywhere. And so I just think the culture kind of slipped at USC last year and, and sometimes that happens when you're a team that relies so heavily on the transfer portal you're just bringing in new guys you know 10 15 new, new guys every year and that culture that, that was really good in 2022 was hard to maintain in 2023 and uh, I, I don't think that was necessarily about Caleb they, they lost a lot of guys to the portal a lot of big names who didn't really perform um, to the transfer portal before the bowl game and then everybody was kind of like crapping on USC and thought they'd get blown out in the bowl and the defense played better than people expected. So I think there's a lot of guys who hadn't had the opportunity to play before, um, like getting their shot. And I think um, it was more about that, you know, and them because they did play better as a team that game than they did in the regular season. So I think it was more about that than you know, anything directed at Caleb. How about as, as, as a reporter who covers this team, like when he didn't talk to the press after the UCLA game, which turned out to be his last game for USC, like mm-hmm. how did you view that? Did that shock you? And then what did you make of his comments maybe a few days later after that? I, I think the UCLA game was like the most egregious one where he didn't talk after There's been games where he hasn't talked after before that. Like I think after they like killed Nevada and he had a really good game. He didn't talk then. Like, it was like, it's Nevada. You know, <laughs> it was like 66 to 14. Um, and then against Oregon State in 2022, he struggled for like three and a half quarters of that game, and then he led the game-winning drive. Um, he didn't talk after that game either. So like the UCLA game wasn't like the the first instance where he hadn't, sp- he hadn't like spoke to the media after a game, but it was like, this might be the last time we talked to you. And like, that the Wednesday before was the last time we talked to him. Um, and, and there's like, I thought I, I, I was honestly surprised he spoke after the Notre Dame game <laughs> when he threw the three picks. Like I was like, I think there's a chance he doesn't talk and uh, credit to him. He did. He talked after some other losses like Washington, Utah, um, Oregon. I don't think he particularly enjoyed it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think the UCLA one was probably the most egregious example of it just because, you know, it was like, we're probably not going to talk to you ever again and um i think usc might have used a different term 
that game where it's like it wasn't like oh Caleb wasn't available. It's like no, Caleb elected not to speak, and so I think they made it seem like okay, this is his decision to do this, not like Lincoln Riley's or something like that. Um, so yeah, that one obviously pops up, but I mean, in the NFL, he's gonna have to talk every week and every game, so he's gonna have to get kind of get used to that scrutiny and that sort of attention. That that was what my my follow up, Antonio, is you know the wiring of him. Obviously, he has dealt with fame. More fame probably than almost any college player we've ever seen entering the draft. But if he's coming to Chicago, uh, I think the, you know, actually USC football market's probably pretty close to being a pro market there. But it's probably still unlike anything he will have seen when he comes in. I mean, he's going to be forced to talk twice a week after games and once in the middle of the week to a packed media room every single week of the regular season which can be 17 games training camp otas rookie camp um i mean it's going to be a lot and he's going to get a ton of scrutiny um you know positively and negatively how do you think he's wired because those examples you you listed you know i I don't know how much of that is usc just enabled it a little bit um or or what but but do you think he's ultimately still wired to handle what is to come in Chicago potentially? Uh, we'll see. I, I think he is, but but still, it's a, a we'll see. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't know how much he enjoyed doing the media stuff at USC. I think in a lot of the cases at USC, like once a quarterback becomes a pretty big deal and it's like their second or third year as a starter, they kind of get pretty tired of dealing with the media <laughs> um, just because it's obviously Los Angeles and it's a different market than most other college football programs. Um so I, I'm curious to see how he handles it at the next level. Um, I think he could do fine because I think he probably realizes it's more of an obligation as opposed to, you know, an SID asking him, hey, Caleb, can you do this? Um, to where it's more mandated now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, I, I think him and Lincoln Riley were both a little defensive for a large part of 2023 um, just because things weren't going the way a lot of people expected um, Caleb. He was good in 2022, obviously um, in dealing with us and stuff, but I just think him and Lincoln were a little bit more defensive this past year, just because the season had gotten kind of haywire. How much did he make up for their, their holes on their roster? Like how much did he, I think you mentioned it a little bit about 2022 and things were working, but he seemed to raise the level of, of mm-hmm. play of, of those around him. Why did that not happen so much in 2023 or, or, or did it, but the talent gap was, was just that big. Yeah. I think there was a talent drop off on the offensive line. They lost like an all pack 12 center. They lost an all American guard. Um, and I, I think once we saw some of those injuries hit in late 2022, we saw some of those deficiencies kind of, you know, expose themselves and 2023 when those guys were gone for their eligibility and stuff, um, those holes in the offensive line really showed against Notre Dame, Oregon, where he just gets pressured a ton. Um, losing Jordan Addison, you guys obviously seen Jordan Addison and what he can do. Um, it, it's funny because Jordan Addison, like I've seen Drake London, Michael Pittman, and those guys like really popped at USC. And Jordan Addison, I was like, he's good, but I don't know if he's as good as those guys were at USC. And then you see him in the NFL and you saw USC's receivers last season where they weren't as good. And you're like, oh man, he was a bigger difference maker than I realized um in 2022 um so the receivers kind of dropped off the the offensive line kind of dropped off and i honestly think 
USC's coaching staff didn't do that great of a job scheming and game planning and just building the offense in 2023 as they did in 2022. In 2022, it's like, okay, there's this cohesive kind of built out offense where you know they're building on something every game. In 2023, it was just like, Caleb, go make a play. <laughs> like, And so I don't think that benefited C- Caleb at all. Um, it just seemed like, okay, we have him and he's going to do something. He's going to bail us out. And um, that obviously didn't work. And so I think it was a lot of a lot of things that were good in 2022 that just didn't you know, perform at the same level last season. I'm curious. Uh, I feel like this is different with a lot of different college teams, but how closely are USC fans, you think, going to follow Caleb? Like how interested are they in what's next for him? In the NFL, I know sometimes college fans just once you're gone, you're gone. But I don't know if he's different or if the things soured after last year or what. But like, do you think there's still a lot of intrigue among the fan base just to see how good he can be? Yeah, it's certainly different in this age and college football to where it's like these guys may be at USC or another school for like a year or two and then go. They didn't sign with them at a high school or something. Um, but I think with Caleb, it's different just because in 2022, that's like. You know, they were 11 and one at one point and were about to make the college football playoffs. So he kind of like restored the feeling of like that magic inside the Coliseum and stuff that had been gone and like missing for, for quite a while. Um, so I think USC fans will still look at him fondly and won the, won the Heisman trophy and kind of got them back on the map re- relevance wise. Um, so I think they're going to follow closely for what he does. And there's that stigma about USC quarterbacks and the pros just because they haven't really panned out. There's a Darnold, there's Sanchez, there's Leinert. Uh, Palmer did well, but there's been, you know, other guys who haven't been as good in the NFL as they were in college. Um, so I think they want him to be successful so they can kind of tout a USC quarterback and sell that in recruiting and, and all that other stuff. As someone who watched live, then maybe later on film, like every snap of Caleb Williams's career at USC, like what do you make of well, well, Dane Brugler and his new top 100 putting him number one overall? Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft first pick. I mean, he's going to be, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> we, we got a mock draft coming out next week. I'm not going to give it away yet, but he could be number one in that one too. <laughs> like, what do you make of like, what's next for him after seeing everything he did the past two years? Yeah. The, the, you can kind of see the magic there when you know, he goes out on the run and, you know, makes some unbelievable pass like across his body or with like a, a twerk and uh, power that you like don't normally see from a college quarterback. Um, and the accuracy, like on the move, and you're like, wow, how did he do that? Um, but obviously, like that stuff's like rare. Um, but I think what's next for him is obviously like playing within the structure of the offense more. And I know there's been complaints about Justin Fields with that too. <laughs> just like hunting the big play, holding on the ball too long and, and things like that. So it's going to come down to a lot of coaching and getting him to kind of buy into playing in the pocket more. And um, I, I, it was, he did it a lot more in 2022 to where it's like, okay, take your three or five steps and just like, let it go uh, against Utah. He did it when they played at Utah, he did it a bunch. Um, and even when he like badly injured his hamstring in the Pac-12 title game, he was doing it. Um, 
but then this year he kind of freelanced a lot. And um, so you, you kind of want to see him just play within the flow of the offense and play within the structure a bit more. And I think that's the next step for him. I know he gets compared to Mahomes a lot, but I mean, we saw Mahomes this year to where, you know, he played in a more calm version of his game. And I think that's what Caleb kind of needs to do um, as he goes to the NFL. Can we hit on the teammate stuff a, a little bit? You mm-hmm. mentioned he was liked by his teammates in 2022, and the same thing was true in 2023. So what do you make of maybe criticism of, of how he is of a teammate, as someone who has talked to his teammates more than once about what type of teammate he is? I've used the word teammate way too much, my teammate. Mm-hmm. But like, like, how would you describe, like sum it up for us. Like, is he a good teammate? From all indications we got, you see, yeah, like the offensive linemen loved them. The receivers loved them. Like the, I remember Brendan Rice was like, like USC fans just like aren't gonna realize what they have until he's gone. Like I remember he said that like the middle of the year. Um, there was never any like indications like, oh, this this dude's hated on this team. I mean, why would the defense hate him when he's like carrying their back? He's carrying them on the on his back like two seasons. Um, so like, I never got any like indication. Um, you know, that he was like a hated teammate or there was like some discontent with him. Obviously, I think he did a good job of trying to get them some shine too um, in terms of like getting them attention. Like I mentioned, like breaking the lava to Lyman to uh, the Heisman ceremony when he won it in 2022 or like gifting them beats and trying to use like his NIL and his opportunities like to help benefit or give back to his teammates. Um, so I think that was a positive for him. Uh, but obviously it's different in the pros when you're leading grown men who, you know, are kind of, you know, they have Justin Fields there and um, they may be more partial towards him. And so it's, it's just a different environment. Um different stakes it's like guys are getting paid and livelihoods on the line um so i'm sure it'll be an adjustment for him i'm I'm curious to see how the leadership stuff goes um just because usc season like i said went off the rails this past year and like there was no leadership that really stepped up and stopped it um so like that's an area where where he'll have to get better as well um so i'm just curious to see how that progresses yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, is that part of his his makeup, part of his intangibles? Like, is he a natural leader? I think you and I talked during the, the Notre Dame game. Like, when they're breaking down the huddle, Caleb Williams is outside, almost like stretching with, with, with other teammates. Like, mm-hmm. that kind of stood out to me. Um, and there are other examples of, of certain things like that. I don't know if it's overblown. I think some scouts will tell you it's overblown. But as someone who's covered him, again, for, for two full years, maybe – take us through the leadership traits he may or may he may or may not have yeah i think that's a big question um because like things are going well in 2022 so it's kind of easy to lead especially when he's playing so well and um the team's having so much success in 2023 you know that just didn't seem like like, like I said there was no like leadership to step up not just from him but just from the, the whole program to kind of stop what was going on um, was they lost five of the final six games of the season. And it honestly could have been um, six of the past or could have been six in a row, 10 of the year. They're very close to going six and six or missing a bowl game. And 
Um, I just got the sense with it, like in the program, just like talking to people that like, it was almost like the media saw these problems and like the team publicly, like didn't want to like believe their actual problems in terms of like, Oh, we're not playing this bad, blah, 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 blah. And um, so, like I said, they're very defensive. And I think um, that's an area where though like Caleb and everybody else will have to grow um, in terms of their leadership and um, all that stuff. And Tony, I'm always fascinated by how folks who cover college for a living handle the way the NFL draft machine operates, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember, for example, Chicago angle when Mitch Trubisky was drafted and like talked about as a top pick people who covered college football were like why (laughs) what is it not the case of Caleb but you know I think that if this was a year ago and Caleb was eligible to be drafted there wouldn't be any of these talk about red flags and as someone who followed him who covered him who saw us what's just like your observation about this NFL draft you know, we, I mean, shoot, all the questions we've been asking you, but all the, all the different things that NFL draft people are going to pick apart. You, so you have the people who say this guy could be Mahomes to this guy could be a bust. Like, what's just your purview of all of that? Yeah, it's just kind of wild. Um, but like you said, like, if you give people a year to kind of, ex- like, look over everything and nitpick, it's it's kind of expected, you know, at, at this point. Um, and I knew a year ago, it was going to be like this with Caleb just because, uh, like I said, he's a polarizing kind of guy when he paints F Utah on his nails. Like I knew I was like, when the draft comes, people are going to bring that up all the time. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be like nonstop because there's going to be people who don't care. And there's going to be people who like hate it. And you know, the fashion shows, there's going to be people who talk about like, Oh, how distracted is he? Like, does he really care about football? And, all in the photo shoots and all this other stuff. And he's like the face of the first real face of NIL in college sport and college football. Um, so you knew like there's going to be questions about that and like where his commitments are. Um, so I, I think it's kind of expected at this point and um, just seeing these guys go through the process and like, uh, like Caleb's different. Um, he has his own PR team. I think the first time I text his dad, to talk for like a story, his dad said, well, let me connect you to his PR team. So it's like you you realize two years ago, like, okay, this is somebody who's going about this uh, in a different way. And uh, I, uh, I covered, I didn't cover Bryce Young, but I was very close with him. He was, he was committed to USC for a bit. Um, and that was like before like NIL and all that stuff. So how his family went through the process was like pretty different than Caleb's. Um, and um, so just like this new age in college football and, um, you know, the draft stuff, um, I kind of saw it, you know, knew it was going to be coming and knew it was going to be like this. So uh, so his father, and this is my last question for you, like was the, it was the GQ article where he said that, you know, Caleb doesn't have to come out. He could try to pick the right situation. And I think yeah. everybody got – like Eli Manning vibes. Yeah. Um, I, I guess in your experiences, I guess like how much around was Carl Williams? And, and do you think his influence is something that teams have to have questions about going forward in the NFL? I think it'll probably get asked about for sure. Um, it's something teams will have to look into. I think, like I said, they're very 
calculated and meticulous and thorough and ambitious. Um, so um, I think that's something that will be looked into for sure because um, they're very close. And um, Carl, you know, when he does talk, is pretty outspoken. Um, so, um, and he's planned this out with for Caleb for a long, long time since Caleb was a little young kid. Um, and now, like, they're, like, on the doorstep of that. So I, I do think that's something like teams will have to explore and kind of try to um, not vet, but kind of look into in terms of how involved does Carl, Carl want to be or, you know, how he can handle, you know, all of this. Because you can have a little bit more control at the college level, but the NFL, they're going to be like, get the hell out of here. So, like, I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how um, teams will approach that. Would you be surprised if he's not the first overall pick? Uh, yeah, I think I would be at this point. Um, just because, like, I felt like a year ago, like, okay, Drake May will have um, a chance. I, th- I think he still does, but it's still, it just seems like the way things are trending, it seems like Caleb's like a consensus clear number one for most people you know, among the draft Knicks and the draft gurus and, and stuff like that. Um, so I would be pretty surprised if he wasn't the number one pick. And I think he gets snapped up by Washington at number two, like right away if, if he wasn't. Yeah, I, I think we're all in the, the same place right now. Um, Antonio, thank you so much. Will we see you at the Combine? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I'll be there, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, Caleb Williams will be there. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I can let you guys handle that. <laughs> yeah, we're on it. Us and... Washington and everyone else, right? Right, Kev? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, everyone's going to be there for Caleb. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But thanks, man. Um, You can find Antonio's work on theathletic.com. You can follow him again on X at Antonio C. Morales. Thank you. Thanks, guys. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Just fantastic stuff, Gav, from Antonio over there. And when we brought up leadership... That whole discussion, this whole answer just kind of fascinated me a little bit because like one of the the question marks, I think the Bears, I know for a fact, one of the question marks the Bears had about Justin Fields was about how he would maybe transform into a leader for them. And I think he has become a home run in that department. More than a home run, a grand slam, have you. His teammates love him. So I'm interested to see like how concerned... Like, what do the Bears see in terms of leadership questions with Caleb Williams? I think that has to be addressed over the next, what, four months here as they go through the draft process. Yeah, and certainly talking to Antonio, there, there are some things that have been, uh, you know, blown out of proportion about Caleb Williams. I mean, he said he thinks the offensive line, a lot of those guys really liked him. Um, you know, he, I, didn't, I didn't know that whole element of the, how Jackson Dart was like a beloved player in that building. And Caleb Williams had to come in and and win everybody over. And you know, I always say this about you know, if, if someone's going to be re- replacing Justin Fields, like as long as that guy plays well and works hard, it's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all it's all interesting. And I thought the other thing too about um, you know, this transition to the NFL, and, and I'm sure I've said this in this podcast before. And he brought it up about the NIL. Like we've never seen a prospect like this in our entire lives. Right. He's made millions of dollars already. And like this is just he's just different. And this whole attention that's going to come with it is just unique. Uh, And, you know, you and I both know the Bears are going to make sure that, you know, he can handle the scrutiny, that he can be a leader um, and that he can, you know, because the other thing I didn't I didn't ask and Tony kind of touched on it. So I didn't ask him about it. How is he going to handle losing? How's he going to handle adversity? Because I tell you what, Johnsy, if if he if the Bears select Caleb Williams and you know he loses a game as a bad game and he you know doesn't handle the media part of it as well as you'd like, understand it's a tough situation. Like it's going to be bad, and and, and I think Ryan Poles alluded to that. They got to find somebody who's who's with the toughness and it, it could certainly wind up being Caleb that he does have that toughness and maybe we're underestimating him. Uh, but it, for any quarterback, the bear select, that's going to be a huge part of the evaluation process. I think it's been forgotten that he did bring all his linemen to the Heisman yeah. ceremony. Like I forgot about that to me. That's a sign of leadership. Like that's a sign of connection with the guys that are 
literally in charge of blocking and protecting him. It's like it's never a good sign when your offensive lineman doesn't like don't like you. And by all accounts, talking to Antonio, his teammates did like him. So like there's a starting point for becoming a leader, winning over your teammates and whatnot. And you're right. I, I think it was Josh Lucas, um, friend of the show, um, who who brought it up not too long ago that like this is like you're mentioning with the NIL, it's going to take like almost like a for, forward thinking scouting department to really go through all this because this is all new. It's a whole new era of, of evaluate, evaluating college prospects. The transfer portal has changed things. You used to like seeing college kids who stuck it out and earned their starting spot, right? That hasn't, it doesn't happen anymore, especially for quarterbacks. They leave, they go other places. Bo Nix is a good example. Like, it's interesting. There's a lot of things uh, for for teams to get through, especially with how different like college evaluations are now. So yeah, the college I mean, game is different now. Right. Of the top six quarterbacks, if you include Spencer Rattler, only Drake May and Jason McCarthy spent their whole careers at the, at their colleges. So yeah, I mean, this is just again. You're right. It's it's just going to be. And on the other, one thing too, from a scouting perspective, you've got more people you can talk to, right? Because you know how deep this stuff goes. I mean, you're talking to trainers, you're talking to assistant strength staff, you're talking to academic advisors. Well, for a lot of these guys, you have two entire universities of people that you can talk to and find everything you know. Because I do think the Bears are going to want to know every little thing there is to know about all these quarterbacks before they make that decision. You know, like there's like the new way to approach this because again, the college game is different, but I like putting quarterbacks through the old Bill Parcells metrics for like evaluating quarterbacks. Remember this? Like, cause Trubisky mm -hmm. really didn't hit many of them, right? Be a three year starter. This is the old Bill Parcells metrics for like drafting a quarterback. Be a three year starter. Caleb Williams. Yes. Be a senior in college? No, he's a junior. But as we know now, that there's like reg, there, there's so many like levels to this because the transfer portal changes everything. There's 23 year olds. There, there are college prospects who are three years older than like JJ McCarthy, who stuck out three years at in Michigan. It's just different now. Um, graduate from college. Uh, Caleb Williams is not done yet. That, as far as I know, um, start 30 games. Caleb Williams hits that. Win 23 of those games. Yes, he hits that. Post a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio. Caleb Williams hits that. Completely 60% of his passes thrown. Caleb Williams hits that as well. Yeah. Big tuna coming through. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the other thing about this is um, I find myself like... Usually when we go, because like, unfortunately we've gone through this multiple times, like that trying to evaluate some of these quarterbacks the way the Bears are, it's like hard to just like the Caleb Williams things are so interesting because we've all seen him play, like we all know how good he is, and then you see all this other stuff off the field and you start to wonder, but like is that really him or how much of that is just today's society that you just see everything, everything's on social media and. You know, it, it's the whole the whole thing is gonna be fascinating, and maybe they pick him, and he just comes in, and there's not a whole lot of outside stuff, and he just is a good quarterback. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know, to just uh, good from day one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't know, you know, somebody in the comments of our story today was trying to, you know, bait me into uh, comparing him to like what he'll, like if he'd ever be as good as Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Does anybody know? Like we, we, like you don't know with any of these guys, because I think we've seen with quarterbacks, you use Patrick Mahomes as, as an example, where you go is so important to who you become. My, my least favorite criticism of like draft prospects is he's not a sure thing. They're all not sure things. <laughs> There are so yep. many layers to this. It's about situation. It's about coaching. It's about the do you players know who was, around them. Do you know Go who ahead. was supposed to be, who was a sure thing or was supposed to be a sure thing was Roquan Smith. Like that day, like there were no questions. Now Roquan Smith, to his credit, has been phenomenal in Baltimore and he was phenomenal in Chicago. But it was not always easy in Chicago. And there were things that happened to Roquan Smith that that, that staff did not think was going to have to deal with. They thought this guy is perfect. You know, and, and well, you're just, talking uh, about the, the, the mysterious absence, mysterious uh, absence. You got the mysterious uh, scratch, healthy scratch. I to say there was a whole yeah, year. You know, of then, that, yeah. And then, he, you know, he represents himself. And obviously though, I mean, shoot, if you told, and I don't, I'm sorry if it's going on a tangent, but like the statement that Roquan Smith put out the day he asked that trade, could you imagine the day he was drafted? If you told anybody in that building one day this is this is going to happen, they all would have said no way, not this guy, no no shot, right? It's just you just you 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 never know. You try to find out everything you can so you could feel as confident as possible, but as you said, you you you're right on. There there is no such there is no sure thing. I think he got his Bears playbook, his Bears he iPad stolen like a month into the into the job, right? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah there's, I, I, there's, there's no sure things to any of this. There there are physical gifts and that you could look at and say this guy, like, I think if you look at the way Caleb Williams is built and th- can throw and all those things, there's no question about it. You could say the same thing about Justin Fields. There's no question about his physical abilities. You could say a lot about a lot of players, but at quarterback, like there's just so much that goes into it. My least favorite commentary right now about the Bears quarterback situation. Just because you take Caleb Williams doesn't mean you can't build around Caleb Williams. Like there's this whole argument that let's just build this amazing roster around Justin Fields. Like I get it. Trading the first pick might help with that, but there's still great opportunities to build around Caleb Williams. If you happen to draft them first overall. There are. He starts with the number nine pick. Then it goes to trading Justin Fields. Oh, yeah, you have two twos next year in 2025. There's so many other opportunities here. You know, John Z, if and I, I will probably say this 10 times between now and the draft. If the Bears did not have a number one pick, we would have entire podcasts dedicated to the guys that could take it number nine. We would have stories we would have so much covered. And we're still going to have a lot of coverage. Don't get me wrong. But they have a top 10 pick. They also could trade their current quarterback and get another premium round draft pick. Like, we are understandably focused on what they're going to do at number one. They have a number nine pick in the draft, right? Like, we would be ad nauseum breaking out all of these guys all the time, if not for they have a pick before that. So, and oh, by the way, they're top 10 in cap space. 
heading into the season. And oh, by the way, they fit. They they had a top five defense the last seven eight games of the year. They have a number one wide receiver. So yeah, like th- this thing is. This is not Caleb Williams coming into the 2023 Panthers or whichever quarterback they potentially take. It's not Mitch Trubisky coming into the 2017 Chicago Bears. Right. Now, it's, it's not Fox, Patrick Mahomes. Al Loggins, yes. Yeah. It's also not Patrick Mahomes coming into the 2017 Chiefs. Okay, that's one of my least right. favorite things. You cannot replicate that situation. No. It's like virtually impossible. That was that was a perfect start. But like this is right. They still have to build. They still have a lot of work to do to make this team what it needs to be. But look, you hit on that quarterback spot and it just makes everything else easier. You just have to find that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think unfortunately for Justin Fields, like everyone's like, well, just add this, add this, add this, add this, and then it'll be good with Justin Fields. Well, the, the great quarterbacks you don't have to do that with. You just don't. I mean, I hate keep keep continuing to bring it back to Mahomes, but look who, who he was playing with this season. That's why they had their struggles at times, and they still won the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. DJ Moore is produced with every single quarterback he's played with. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2017. Only two Alex, and a half months to go, by the way. I know, I know. In 2017, Alex Smith had his career best year had more than had more than double wins than losses in his first five years with the Chiefs. And he had Andy Reid, he had Tyree Killerty there, Travis Kelsey. It's just a perfect storm of just an amazing situation to walk into, right? You can't replicate that. The Bear, at least the Bears, it's impossible for them to replicate that situation with currently with with what they currently have. Yeah. And also like I I, I get why Caleb is the one we talk about. But my whole thing is from a GM's perspective, it's to, it's me, you take the best quarterback. And, and it's possible that at you know two months from now, the Bears come out of this process and decide it's somebody else. I don't know if they will. Um, it seems unlikely, but it is possible. I'm just keeping the door open for that. And then maybe maybe then they could, you know, trade back or something. But I just think that like you would just have this golden opportunity to pick the guy. And you passed on it last year. And that's, I think we all understood it in the moment. Um, but it's just that that's going to be this, this is, this is a, a class that's going to be really hard to, to pass on when you have the number one pick. Yeah, it really is. Even if you trade back the two, hello, Drake May. Even if you trade back, like if you wait to nine, hello, JJ McCarthy, who yep. seems to be, uh, expectedly winning some teams over already. I think he's going to be a top 10 pick. That's going to be my February hot take. I think, I think teams are going to fall in love with him. So when I did my beat, my bears beat reporter draft series, where I went and saw Caleb Williams and Drake may, I started to ask around the league and like JJ McCarthy was the other name that came up and, like the in, the instant reaction I got, like, why are you watching J.J. McCarthy? You're just there to see Harbaugh. No, I was there to see J.J. McCarthy. You know why? A lot of people that I trust who are employed by teams around the league told me to go see J.J. McCarthy because of what they think he could be at the NFL level. And I know there's some homerism here. He's from Nazareth. Um, he's a local kid and whatnot. But 
Yeah. A- at least top 15. You said top 10? Mm-hmm. Bold prediction. Bold prediction. JJ McCarthy, top 10. Cole Komet, touchdown catch in week one. Ooh. Bold prediction. Um, are you ready for uh, two and a half more months of this? I'm I'm hoping that the combine allows us different conversations about this a little bit because we'll like know more about these guys and hear more about these guys and then maybe the pro days offer like another level where we can kind of change the conversation a bit. Um, so yeah, I guess. I, look, you know me, I love the draft. I do, but it's it was wild that like, I mean. It was like I woke up Monday morning after the Super Bowl to all these different like radio requests, not from Chicago, just people wanting to talk about the Bears and number one pick of Justin Fields. I'm like, Super Bowl just ended, but it's the offseason. Yeah. Speaking of interviews, did you see Jared Payton's interview with Kevin Warren? Uh, I've seen clips of it. I've not uh, sat down to watch it. It is now the most recent. Those who want Justin Fields to stay, they now have this interview to use as support. Warren was kind of talking about using draft capital and whatnot. Right. I mean, as I said, I'm keeping all the options open. It, It would be, you know, it would be something. It would be... I, I, couldn't you picture Justin having this like smirk as we all watched it in the media room? The first day of OTAs. Like, you guys all thought I was going to be gone. You all had me traded to Pittsburgh or Atlanta. And here I am. And look at all these new toys I have. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Do you think you would have the fifth-year option, the $22 million that come Ooh. with it then? Yeah, you have to. If, if, if you keep Now you're all in. Now you're you all in on to, that. Yes, you have to exercise that option. That, that or, is your situation you've chose. You're yeah. all in on that Or you do, you, you do a Jordan Love contract or something. I mean, you have to do that but yeah um yeah it could it could happen not gonna i'm not i'm not ruling anything out johnsy it is valentine's day it is anything can happen all right well fish thank you for filling in for uh a sunbathing adam hogue on the beaches of hawaii after busy week in las vegas but uh just great stuff from antonio again follow him on twitter at antonio c morales read his stuff on theathletic.com tons of stuff there about caleb williams if you want more information on the potential first overall pick that's it we'll be back next week um i think we might be talking about another northwestern's ben bryant who is that He's a Las Vegas Bowl champion is what he is. Uh, the more you know. The more you know. But uh, thanks for listening. You know uh, where to find us, theathletic.com. Uh, follow Adam Hoekstra on allseasonstudio.com. Get our swag, the merch, on hoganjohns.com. Almost said obvious shirts. Obvious shirts provides our gear. And that's it. Please rate and review the podcast. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. You know the deal. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. See ya. See ya. Hug, 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 hug,